Jaguars prepare to take on the top team in the AFC, who's going to need to have a big game on Sunday if they want to take down the Ravens. Devin Lloyd, he's going to have to be able to get out to the flat because Lamar Jackson loves to throw those short little passes to Zay Flowers, and he gets open easily. And he's also going to have to know where Lamar Jackson is because if you lose sight of him, you're in trouble. Let's say Calvin Ridley, you need a big play. From, you need big plays from above the X's and O's players in big games. Welcome into Jags AM, presented by Fields Auto Group. I'm Kainani Stevens. Brian Sexton, John Ozier are with me today as we get prepared for Sunday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, last week, the team went up against one of the best defenses in the league, probably number one and 1A and 1B. So big thing number one this week is going to be 1A and 1B because 1B would be the Ravens, who are the second best technically, but one of the top defenses in the league. And they're going to be a tough test for the Jaguars on Sunday night. I mean, they just have a great defense all the way around, not even not even just pass rush, you know. On the back end, their linebackers, I mean, they have some of the best linebackers in football. Um, you know, Kyle Hamilton, too, is another guy I've played in college, and um, I think he might have been hurt last year when we played him, but that's a guy I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. He's a great player. Um, so, yeah, they got they just have the really talented defense, but they're also really smart. You know, they, they do a great job in um, playing, you know, sound and, and really on the same page. Everyone knows their assignment and knows what they're doing. They play really fast. I think that's the biggest thing is they know what they're doing and they play fast and they're physical. Brian, the Jags were able to score pretty readily against the Browns. They didn't win the game, but does that mean that translates over to Baltimore or is that a completely different situation? Well, I mean, there are different styles of defense. Uh, here's what you know about the Ravens. The Ravens lead the league with 49 sacks and their win percentage because they've got guys with 11, seven and a half and six sacks. So their win percentage is about 10% of the time they're affecting the quarterback. It's going to create problems, but if you protect decent enough, right, depending on who's on the left side of the line, you give yourself a chance to be able to score against the Ravens. It's not like people don't score against these teams. It's not like the great Ravens teams of the early 2000s where you were lucky. I can remember one game where the Jaguars got five field goals uh, where you were lucky to score at all. They could score, but they've got to protect first. Yeah, protection is key. Um, I think it's particularly key because it's hard to imagine uh, the running game with Travis Etienne with the interior of the offensive line struggling in that area. It's hard to imagine the running game piling up 120, 130 ball control yards. I think the running game can get some big plays, some pops and make them, the Ravens respected. It would help. But barring that, you have to protect because there's going to be passing situations where they have to convert big third downs. Uh, to me, third downs and big plays are the way you beat the Ravens because they're going to get you a couple times on their defense. And I'll say this, John. You know, last week the Jaguars had Blake Hance and Tyler Shatley on the left side of their line, and they were facing the best defensive pass rusher in football and a really good defensive front. And they were all right. You know, they had 27 points, and they were you know within shouting distance at the end of the game. So you'd like to think that if Walker Little can play, and he's practicing a bit this week, and if Ezra Cleveland can get out on the field, and he's practicing a little bit this week, that you give yourself a fighting chance at home. Our second big thing this week, or today, I should say, is going to be MVP again, because on the other side of the ball, the Ravens have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Lamar Jackson, impressive in a comeback win last week, and he will also be a tough matchup for the Jaguars defense. Great football player, great quarterback, and one of the things he's doing 
you know, this year I think which was a point of emphasis for them, obviously throwing the ball a little bit more from the pocket, and he's, he's done a nice job for that. You know, and it takes, it takes all 11 on defense. You just can't, uh, you know, you can't let your guard down with him, obviously, not only in the run game but the pass game as well. Um, when you get an opportunity to tackle him, you got to tackle him. John, we all know Lamar Jackson can run, but he's really been staying in the pocket and throwing, especially now that he's got wide receivers, Zay Flowers, the rookie, and also Odell Beckham Jr. Um, it's impressive to see what he's been able to do with his game now a couple years in. Yeah, he has. He, he's much better there than he has been. Uh, to me, what still makes him mega dangerous is that he can get that in the passing game, but then he can also kill you getting outside the pocket. And I think where the Jaguars have a chance to stay even against the Ravens, look, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL. You're probably not gonna shut them down and blow them out. But what gives you a chance to maintain with the Ravens, same thing as last year with Lamar. Um, the Jaguars defense is much better than it was two or three years ago with mobile quarterbacks, keeping them in the pocket, not letting those guys just kill you play after scramble after scramble. Um, I think the Jaguars, because of Josh Allen, Trayvon, the linebackers are very good. They can contain Lamar. Uh, they cannot let him have the 70-yard run or, or, the, or, or the multiple 15-yard runs that just make a drive. I think they match up okay there, and, and, and Brian, that's going to give them a chance to uh, you know, hold serve against them, maintain, and not let that factor win the game. The Ravens' defense scares me as much as that. Yeah, the Ravens' defense is really good. Um, look. The Jaguars defense has to play smart football. They have not gotten home the last two weeks. A little bit of pressure on Browning, but was he 32 or 37 two weeks ago on Monday Night Football? And then you got this guy here who he's, he's not looking to run, as you mentioned, Kai. Todd Munkin's offense gives him more options if he stays in the pocket. And you've seen him grow throughout the course of the year. But you know, if you run past him, and we've seen that from this Jaguars defense, a guy gets out of his gap, runs too far, you know, this guy's going to go for 25 yards and put, put himself in scoring position like that. It, this is about playing smart. And I don't think the Jaguars' defense has had too many bad games this year, but the last two weeks have not been their best. All right, our final big thing today is going to be growing up. Obviously, the Jaguars went on a great run at the end of last season to a little bit unexpectedly make the playoffs. This year, they're achieving at a pace we probably predicted, but now they're on a two-game losing streak. And Doug Peterson says that they can't really use that youth excuse anymore. Everybody's played. Rookies are no longer rookies. This is week 15. You know, um, I, can't, I can't hide behind that anymore. You know, can't use that as an excuse anymore. You know, um, every team's in week 15. <clears throat> There's no more buys. Every rookie's played. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's just everybody has to has to focus that much greater. Brian, this is a young team, but they're not inexperienced at, at this point. And I think this is a point where Doug wants to see that maturity level kind of step up and see them kind of take hold of this opportunity, especially on either Sunday Night Football or the home stretch as a whole. Well, you decide how you want them to play. Do you want them to play loose and free? I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're not in real contention for the number one overall seed like they were two weeks ago when Cincinnati was here. I mean, they could get there, but it's not the most likely scenario. Or do you want them to play desperate, right? Like the Niners were on a three-game losing streak. You know, like the Browns were last week, where they played super hungry in front of their home crowd because they understood that they were on the margins of the playoffs, but they could find themselves behind the eight ball in a very competitive AFC. I, you choose. I, me, myself, 
Uh, I'd like to see them come out with a, uh, it's, it's so esoteric, John, but a, just a, a sense of desperation. Like, hey, look, we haven't played our best football. We're on Sunday night football in prime time, and we didn't play well last time. So let's get out there and play good football against the best team in the AFC. Let's be hungry to show the rest of the country, you know, what we are and not let them walk away thinking what we're not. Yeah. Um, the Jaguars in the, last, in the last few weeks, and I would include this week, are in one of those crisis points of the season. And, and when I say crisis, I probably mean defining more than that. Uh, they're beat up. They are in first place, but they've lost a couple of games that they haven't been blown out in. They just haven't quite gotten there, and there's plenty of reasons for it. The injuries, Trevor's ankles, mistakes. Um, at some point during those stretches, really good teams get one and sort of right the ship. And I think that's what Doug would like to see this week. Hey, it's, it's tough. The NFL is not easy. You're playing a first-place schedule this year, which means you're playing uh, teams like the Ravens and the Niners and the Chiefs instead of the other teams. At some point, go get one of those late in the season that puts you over the top where you're not necessarily favored in the game. And, and it, it takes what Brian's talking about. It takes that desperation, that intensity, maybe making a play you didn't expect, somehow finding a way to use that cliche. I think that's what Doug would like to see this week, and that's what he's talking about with maturity. You know, a mature team... A playoff team figures out a way to somehow get this one, even when people don't expect it. I think you're right, John. Definitely a sense of urgency the team's going to need going into this game against the Ravens. All right, stay with us here on Jags AM as we go around the locker room and hear what everybody else has to say about the Ravens matchup. Welcome back to Jags AM, presented by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. You can step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. Welcome back. We're here in the Hyundai studios as we get ready for Sunday night football. 2008 was the last Sunday night football. Yeah, October 5th, 2008, they, uh, they played a game against the Steelers, and it was John Madden's last Jaguars game, last game in Jacksonville. So, and to be honest with you, I had to go back and look it up. It, it wasn't the most memorable game, um, although Rasheem Mathis had a pick six early in the game to give the Jaguars a lead over Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Rasheen, who was a three-time Pro Bowl corner, mm-hmm. would just always seem to be the, the Steelers' nemesis, that guy that just always had Roethlisberger looking around going, where is he, where is he? But it was John Madden's last game, and I remember having a conversation with him uh, in the hallway about you know the importance of this team starting to win because they weren't much, and yeah. knowing that Jacksonville really needed this team to start to get some traction so that their future would be secure, and he thought they would, so... Well, very good. And now they are. Now, yeah, it took many, a long many, time many years. Thought, I was going to say, but many, I, I many, do remember many that later. conversation with him. Nice man. He was right. All right, cool. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on in the locker room. We got down there yesterday, talked to some of the guys about, you know, whether they're hitting the panic button right now. Evan Ingram had a very strong response to that. Just adversity. Uh, that's what that's what life is about. That's what this league is about. Um, and obviously, we got the great we got we got the guys in here to. Uh, to figure it out and to respond and turn this thing around. Um, and, you know, it's cool. We're sitting at 8-5, and five and we know we could be better. So uh, we're definitely going to go out and try to respond and get back in the win column for sure. Well, the first part of that one was, hell no, it's not time to panic. No, no he was fired up yesterday. I had yeah. another conversation with him for radio pregame, and he said, look, those are lights are damn bright, and everybody needs to respond. You know, we were talking about urgency. Choose your word, sense of desperation. But he, he said everybody needs to respond to the challenge that we have and, and to each his own was his specific phrase everybody's going to come to the game prepared in their own way feeling their own way desperate hungry loose and relaxed whatever he says it isn't about 
one common theme and everybody's on the same wavelength. It is about everybody responding to the challenge that we face in their own way. Yeah, it's uh, the Jaguars have waited a long time to be a contender. And contending in the NFL these days is this. I mean, it, last year was sort of unique in that the Jaguars got on a roll and they kind of came from nowhere and everything felt sort of inevitable. Like when you look back on it, it felt inevitable they're going to win those five games and get That's not the story. But usually there are some teams like 49ers this year that look like they're just the team and they're sort of rolling. Well, that's a rare thing to reach in the NFL. Usually you have some adversity late in the season. It's a league of attrition. You've got some injuries. You play well for a few weeks. You sink back because everybody else is good. You're, you're playing contenders. And the league wants these last games yeah. to be competitive. They, they try to schedule tough games. Mm -hmm. So this is sort of what it is. And I think Evan's point is, look, forget about what happened last week. Go win this one. Figure out a way to win this one. Get it. And then figure out the next one. And, and it's hard to sort of analyze that. But at some point, you're out there playing games, and you're not necessarily worlds better than the opponent. You just find a way to win that week, and, and you move on. And they asked the Jaguars task this week. They're not favored. I, I'm not sure they're going to win, but they're very capable of winning if, if they play well. They just haven't the last couple weeks. To your point, they are seeing the exact same thing in Kansas City right now, where they've lost two in a row, in Philadelphia, where they've lost two in a row, in Miami and in Detroit. I mean, even the contenders, those teams if you follow such things as power rankings that have been in the top all year long, they're all dealing with this too. And it was only late October that the Niners were dealing with this. They lost back-to-back right. -back games to back-up quarterbacks. And you're thinking, what's the matter with them? And they got hot. I so, got an angry email this week. I want this team to be consistent. And I said, outside of San Francisco, find me one. Yeah. I mean, it it, it, yes, the Jaguars are inconsistent right now. But everybody else in the league, okay, Dallas too. Yeah. Right now they're on a roll. But the Niners are the team that are consistent. In the AFC, nobody is. You know, the Dolphins scored 70 points in September. Right. And since then, they have been up and down and up and down and up. Now, what do you think they're saying in South Florida about consistency? Where's the team that scored 70? Well, do you expect that every week? Yes. Right? They yes, they yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, elsewhere in the locker room, Calvin Ridley kind of weighing in. We've been talking about the issues with the route running, and Trevor was talking about miscommunication as well. And Ridley kind of broke down what he saw on that play on one of the interceptions. On that type of play, it's a, the ball can go to me, it can go to someone else, and it's a look, you know. I thought I had a certain look, and I was trying to, you know, get my feet on, get my get up on the DB and take him a certain way so we could get another person to pop open. But um, it was a different look, and I didn't get my head around faster. And the ball came out a little faster than I thought. But if I would have, I just need to be locked in in that moment more and just see the, the look better and get my head around faster. And, it have been a different type of play. According to Ridley, running the right route, not the look he thought. Mis they misidentified what the defense was doing, thought it was going somewhere else. Happens. If that's something they need to get on the same page about, obviously, to kind of just always be prepared, and especially, I'm sure, it's being emphasized this week without Christian Kirk out there because there's not always that guy that's going to be the first option maybe a lot of the time. You have to be ready at all times. Well, and, and another radio conversation I had yesterday was with wide receivers coach Chad Hall. And... He talked about, about, he used the word cohesion. He talked about that unspoken communication between a quarterback and a wide receiver. And then I was standing in the locker room yesterday and noticing that Trevor's locker is here and Calvin's locker is here. I mean, they, they, they have got to. They, since the start of the season, they, there's no accident that these two guys are across from each other. They've been trying to, to build that 
sense of unspoken timing. How long did it take Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison to create that? How long did it take when Reggie Wayne came in to be able to be that target mm -hmm. that Peyton Manning was looking at? I'm not trying to excuse the mistakes he made. I'm saying this is part of the process of two guys coming together. Yeah, and it's rarely, especially with route running and offense in the NFL these days, it's rarely one thing. This guy did this poorly. It, it's, it's usually over the course of a game more you got a lot of read routes. You got a lot of routes that play off of, okay, the, uh, the defense Choice is doing routes, this. Right. Now the quarterback sees this, the wide receiver sees this. I keep going back to, you know, yes, the communication has been a bit clunky with Calvin at times with Trevor. But everything was sort of going in a good direction offensively until Trevor didn't practice last week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think that's sort of become a forgotten element of, there was really no reps at all with these guys. And up until he got hurt against Cincinnati, the last couple of games, I felt it was going smooth even without Christian. Then all of a sudden, guess what? He doesn't practice and it looks clunky. Well, that's how it goes. You, you know, that makes sense to me. I think it'll be better this week. There's still going to be some of that because, frankly, Calvin was out two years. And this is still a young offense trying to get these things, and you're going to have this in the NFL sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing Chad Hall said when we had our conversation after practice yesterday was that the coach, the head coach, had personally challenged all of the coaches to make fixes, right, to look differently at it. Mm -hmm. and, and, in fact, Doug said it in his news conference mm -hmm. on both Monday and Wednesday, and that was the first thing that Chad went to. So it's not just the players who are trying to communicate. It's the coaches who are working it as well. They're attacking this problem right this issue from last week mm -hmm. at every angle and Calvin said something that I thought was interesting yesterday too um it was sort of after one of the questions he goes I just kind of wish the guy had dropped the ball we'd had another chance and <laughs> there is an element of that yeah. we're focused on that one play because the Browns got an interception off of it every team in the league has miscommunications at times between receivers and quarterbacks that one really bit the Jags so, so we're talking about it a lot and there was some it it showed up big time on Sunday. Um, it really hurt them. It doesn't always hurt you that much. A lot of teams weren't hurt by it. So I, I think this is this week's topic. I don't know that miscommunication with receivers has been a season-long thing that's defined it, but they got to get it fixed now. I think it's interesting that you're talking about Doug Peterson telling coaching staff to try something new because a lot of what we talked about is we're making mistakes the game plan is sound the plans are what they are it's just the players execution or making self-inflicted wounds but it is a nice change i i'll say to see a little bit of hey we need to do a couple things differently what we are doing is not even if we do it to perfection is not perfect and we need to kind of adapt and move forward so that's some growth there that's good to see as well one of the people that is stepping up in the absence of christian kirk has been evan ingram he's been letting in the world on fire his first touchdown of the year on Monday Night Football and then of course got a couple touchdowns against the Browns as well and he says this Ravens defense is going to be a tough matchup as well. They play with a lot of swagger. Uh, uh, they uh, they play really tough. They push push people around um, and uh, they're playing really well. Uh, it's part of the you know they have a good, great offense and a great defense so uh, they uh, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, they're going to be in our house. They came here last year and uh, they're probably trying to respond to how the game ended last year. So uh, we're going to get their best punch, uh, but uh, we got the guys to go do it for sure. John, I have to imagine Evan's going to be targeted quite a bit. There's some good-looking media around here. I, know I, that. Mean, I, I mean, I saw you <laughs> focused on that. Uh, um, yeah, it, 
to me, Evan has, in this offense, uh, even when the running game's going well, uh, the passing game is part of the running game in the West Coast offense. That hasn't been as effective with receivers necessarily this year, but to me, a lot of Evan's production is making up for the lack of a running game a little bit because Trevor really relies on it. When they're in second and nine, it's going to Evan a lot, getting to third and two, getting to third and manageable. Um, that isn't, I mean, Evan's not effective. I think it makes him very important in this right now because you need that tight end. He's on pace, I think, to catch more passes than anybody except Jimmy in, 99, yeah. in 1999. He's probably going to reach that number because they're using him that way. The most impressive thing about Evan in the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden the red zone production's there. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, it, and it really hadn't been. I don't think he's ever going to be a 35-yard per catch guy like that. But if he can keep giving you that in the red zone, that's an element that they lacked for 12 games or for 11 games. If that's there and they start putting it together, that's really big in December, Brian. If you were the Ravens, you'd take him away, right? Try to, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, you, that's where you send Kyle Hamilton, mm-hmm. who uh, was limited in practice. He's got the knee from last week. That's where Roquan Smith, uh, who is an excellent linebacker, that's where you'd put him. Uh, so, to me, you said he'll be targeted a lot. They'll try. This is where Parker Washington and Zay Jones and uh, Tim Jones or Elijah Cooks or whenever the ball comes your way, it may only be twice. Man, you got to make the catch, especially if it's on third down. You've got to pull this one in. This is going to be a game where Evan's going to get some plays. He's going to make some plays. He's really a tough matchup. But this Ravens defense is excellent. It's going to come down to another guy making a clutch catch in a key moment. Should be. All right, coming up after the break here on Jagzam, we're going to go over who we think will be some big playmakers on Sunday Night Football against Baltimore. Suddeth is Florida's trusted and reliable moving company, and they are proud to be the official moving partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. To get a guaranteed quote, you can visit suddeth.com slash jacks. Definitely. I mean, we got, we got four, what, four games left. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a fine position, you know, where we're at record-wise. We, we got to take care of business this week and, and moving forward, but we got to take it one week at a time and um, need to get back on track this week for sure. But, yeah, there's still plenty of time. You know, you look at where we're at, um, if we could have been in this position last year, we would have we would have given a lot to be here. So, um, you know, there's no panic, but there is a sense of urgency where this time of year, December, going into January, you got to be playing your best football, and we're not there yet, so we got some work to do. Still plenty of time to get things figured out, and it is a good point. This was very different this time last year, and you reeled off all those wins in a row, and that was wonderful, but now that you're in, you know, you build up this kind of lead, so if something like this happens, it doesn't break your season. Well, and, and John talked about it, managing attrition, managing the injuries, and you've got guys now who you are either getting back or who have been back for a week or two, and you hope get closer to being 100%. Can I just go ahead with my he will, he won't, he might? Please because do. my guy's one of those guys, and that's Dave Jones. You know, he's been playing with a knee since week two, and he missed a good portion of the season. Then he comes back, and he's playing with a brace, which he had never played with before. He told me not long ago that he's finally feeling like he's getting back to 100%. And he's a guy who loves to play in prime time. It saves a little bit of energy, right, for for these kinds of games. So I expect that he will come out and he will be the go-to guy. He will be that guy who has 10 targets, 9 catches, you know, 89 yards and 2 touchdowns. 
And remember, he was the guy that caught the two-point conversion last week, uh, last year that beat the Ravens. So mm-hmm. he'll be that guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to be that breakaway guy that he's been, right? I mean, he's the big speed guy, down the field guy. I'm not sure he's ready, you know, from a knee perspective to be able to get down the field like that. But I do believe that he might be the difference maker in this game and catch the game-winning touchdown pass because we have forgotten with Christian and with Evan and with Zay's injury that last year he was a go-to guy. And having him back on the field, even with Christian's absence, makes a world of difference for the quarterback. It's another guy that he knows will be where he's supposed to be. Yeah, when he's right, he really matters. Yeah, no doubt. sure does. I wonder how much that knee injury is. Because it's some, some things he's just a step off. Yeah. And I feel like if he was fully healthy, it would be He's getting be there, different. he says. But it's, mm-hmm. it's that, again, it's one of the stories where you hope that some of these guys who are, are back and playing through injury mm-hmm. all of a sudden get a little healthier, get a little stronger, and feel more like themselves. Yeah, it's tough because he, he hasn't been bad. I remember uh, no. there was a big play down the sideline. He made a great catch against Houston. Uh, there's been a couple where it's been there. He, he's flashed open. And sometimes this league, it's sort of circumstance. Mm-hmm. The guy makes a great play on you. Uh, but they definitely need his – they need defenses to respect him, bare minimum, to open everything else up. I went with uh, Josh Allen. Uh, he will play well because when hasn't he played well this year? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the most telling thing about Josh, even beyond in games where he – comes off the field says I could have done more he's still playing well he's been I think their most consistent player all year uh, I'm not sure who else I would put in that category um, no, it's him. he won't uh, he won't disappear in this game he won't uh, this is never too much for him uh, and he won't quit I think the biggest thing you, you notice with Josh even in the games where he doesn't get a sack he's pressuring last week uh, he was close. You don't always get home when you're a sack guy. Uh, I thought he still mattered, and, then, and I think that's why you need to sign him and keep him around. Because even I said a million times, even when he doesn't quote play well, he plays well. Yeah. Uh, he might. Um, he had the moment against Cincinnati, and then they didn't win the game. Uh, he might make a play Sunday uh, where he's the one talking to Melissa Stark after the game or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he might solidify himself on Sunday, primetime audience, as not only a pro bowler, but a guy everybody around the country says, oh, he's good. That's why the Jaguars are good. This might be his night. This one becomes the Josh Allen instead of Jaguars Josh Allen? Is this a chance? Instead of Bill's Josh Allen? Well, uh, he was that on one glorious day in a weird season. Yeah, that was a really <laughs> so. weird season. Well, you've got to take him next week if he doesn't get the sack record because, I mean, I, it's coming. I think it's coming. I think it's going to be Sunday Night Football. And wouldn't it be cool for him and, oh, absolutely. if he got that on Sunday Night Football in a win, the whole story? And, and he's the kind of player, some guys get in a situation and they wilt. He's the kind of player who rises to it. I hope so. I hope we're right. Um, I went with Foye Lewican from my hero who won the mic because he will need to be the catalyst if they're going to fix this communication on defense. We've talked about this for a couple weeks now, about things have not been 
going the way they want to, whether it's the secondary or just not, you know, reading things correctly, buying on the run, whatever it may be. He's kind of the captain out there and he's going to need to be, you know, the sounding piece between the defensive backs and the pass rush, especially now with so many players that are backups playing in the secondary. He won't have the luxury of not having a good tackling game like he did on Monday Night Football because with Lamar Jackson, so much of it is, you know, keeping him in the pocket and tackling him if he does go out of the pocket. So with that, I think he might have the ability to maybe force some turnovers because as we know, Lamar does like to get out of the pocket and run a little bit when he has that opportunity. And of course, Boyle hopefully be there to make the tackle. He's played at such a high level this season. The last two weeks have not been up to that standard that he sets for himself. I saw an overrun plays, which he never does, mm -hmm. against the Bengals. And last week, he had a communication issue with um, Devin Lloyd. Mm -hmm. I, you just don't expect that. So I, he's one of those guys that I expect to come out and play well because that's who he is. That's what he does. Johnny had a big game against Lamar Jackson last year. He had a bunch of tackles. I think that was his 18-tackle game. It was. And he's key against this team because they want to run. Lamar's so key. If the linebackers don't play well, meaning make tackles two yards off line of scrimmage and not five, uh, then they don't win this game. And against the Ravens, your linebackers have to play well. Stay with us on Jags AM after the break. We'll go over what we've got going on for Sunday Night Football this week at the bank. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture made for fans. And Sunday Night Football, this home game against the Ravens, is brought to you by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. Let's go, D! Oh, make a play, make a play, make a play. I'm gonna make a play right here. Third down and four. Let go, intercepted. He put it right in the chest of Darius Williams. The Jaguars defense needed that. This became a little bit of a smash-up derby out there, and the receiver can't get there. And Darius Williams fills the void and happily takes it away. That was you. You helped me. Darius Williams mic'd up last week, and he doesn't always talk a lot, but on the field it was pretty amusing. I will say it was one of my more interesting mic'd up. That you should seen. talk more. He's having a hell of a season. 17 passes, defense near the top of the league, four interceptions. Um, I didn't expect that kind of a performance from him this year. This I expected no. him to be steady. I didn't expect him to be, you know, the, the best cover corner out there. Of course, Tyson Campbell's been injured for so long, but he's really been nice. No, I've said before, I, I had egg on my face with this, and I thought he'd be a weakness. I mean, I, he was not great playing the nickel last year early, uh, and he played well after that. I, I sort of ignored that. This year, he's been, I mean, he's been their best corner. Tyson had been on the field, so uh, credit to him. And Pride of Creekside High. Yeah, he was on the Ozone podcast earlier, uh, four or five weeks ago. He doesn't love doing media, so fans haven't really gotten to know him a whole lot. But he, he's a very engaging, interesting young man when you talk to him. Sunday Night Football this week, first time since 2008, as we've talked about. I do want to remind everybody to be in their seats early. The light show was pretty cool for um, Monday Night Football. Sunday Night Football is the teal out, so they're doing the teal light show as well. And there'll be little cards when you get to your seat and you can put a little teal cover on top of your phone and then it'll all be a teal show as well. John, do you think you could handle it? Oh, I, I can handle there's, it. There's there's a card. I'm ready. There's yeah, it I mean, should be it should be foolproof. Just scan it on there. If John it kinda makes me laugh when you when you mention the teal out, 
before the Monday night game. Why don't they do a teal out? Why don't they do a teal out? They're doing a blackout. That's Guess the, what? Just be patient. Are they wearing all teal? Yes. Yeah, okay. teal out. Everybody's wearing teal. Team teal. Team teal? Team teal. All right, everybody, enjoy the return of Sunday Night Football to Jacksonville. We'll be with you next week as we go over, hopefully, a Jaguars win against the Ravens. Enjoy the game.